0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: This is Cruise Control, the car show on BFM. And my name is Ali Johan. As usual, I'm joined tonight by my friend, our automotive specialist, Daniel Fernandez.
0: Welcome, Daniel. Ooh, specialist, I like the town of it I'm not a specialist, I'm just someone who loves cars
1: Yeah, it's good to have you on And as usual, uh, a show in three parts We got some new car launches uh, News about the new H R V, the new Prodo Alza all coming up Later on in the show, we'll discuss What you should be doing with your old car sitting in your garage And at the end of the show, a review of Mercedes EQA Their all-electric SUV But before that, some news and car launches Alright, so this is a significant arrival in the local car market. Honda's twenty twenty-two edition of the HRV finally launched in Malaysia last week. The popular crossover comes with three engine options and four trim levels.
0: Yeah, so this brand new HRV comes after seven years. I mean, you know, most cars come after four years, five years, but this is seven years. And the reason for the two year additional delay was because of we all know it, COVID, right? Yeah so this Honda HRV was supposed to come two years ago, but even though it was delayed by two years the overwhelming response from malaysians have been just it's mind-blowing i used to word mind-blowing because they've got twenty thousand overbooking over bookings in just a couple of weeks and malaysia gets four variants now japan its home country gets two variants they just get a a normal aspirated and a hybrid but in malaysia you get the turbocharged in two variants, a high spec and a low spec. Uh, the difference is just five thousand ringgit. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out what what is all that about, like You know, and then you get the non-turbo, which is one hundred and fourteen thousand. So like I said, the non-turbo is one hundred and fourteen thousand, which is very close to the old HRV price. Then you got the uh, the low spec turbo, the E, which is one two nine, and then for five thousand more at one three four, you get the high spec turbo. But it's the electrified hybrid version the eHEV in RS trim. RS trim is like uh, like Mercedes has AMG, BMW has M, Honda has RS, okay? So the RS trim comes in at 148 hundred. Uh, there's a lot of features on this car. It's better to just go to DSF and read all about it. There's a lot of uh, new technology in this car. But the most important thing is Malaysians have fallen in love with this HRV, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, why is it that the competitors don't have a product to immediately take this vehicle on? you got all the other manufacturers, you've got the Japanese, you got the Koreans, they don't have something that can create this much of, you know, uh, a stir in the market. You get what I mean? Yes, yes,
1: yes. And especially with four variants comparing to just two variants in Japan, right?
0: Yes, yes. And I think the reason why they got these four variants, even though the price differences are very small, I can see, you know, Like some people, uh, you know, I I can't really afford a HRV, but never mind, I'll stretch it to get the base model. Mm. And, you know, at 114, actually, uh, if you think about it for the size and and the features that you get, and, you know, you still got a lot of uh, uh, safety features in the car, it's not that bad, you know. It's not that far off for someone to stretch their monthly payments just to get this vehicle.
1: Yeah, we're expecting this to be really popular, seeing how... Well, the previous version sold in Malaysia over the seven years. Um, And even the facelift edition last year also sold. But Daniel, um, there might be some significant waiting time for the car uh, if you go out and book them now.
0: Yes, that's the surprising part, okay? And this is nothing to do with, you know, Honda uh, being complacent. This is nothing to do with that. This is purely Mm. logistics issue, uh, you know, parts issue, uh, you know, COVID is still threatening certain areas. And then of course you got the supply chain, you know, because of the war and everything else. Mm. So on certain models you can get it as fast, and I use the word as fast as six months. But mm-hmm. the top version you gotta wait almost a year. Up to <laughs> ten months estimated waiting time. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, of course Honda is trying to shorten that period, but I'm thinking to myself, if I go into buy a car and they tell me, hey, brother, you have to wait, you know, eight months, ten months, I'm thinking Will I wait? The funny thing is, Malaysians are waiting. People are willing to wait. People are still putting down their booking and saying, yes, I will wait. All the
1: factors that you mentioned are essentially out of a company's control. Is
0: this going to be the new normal for any car orders? Sad to say, right now, everybody is having the same problem. And and yeah. we are going to be coming to that with the next car launch when, when we talk about it soon. Every car brand who's got a popular right now or just launched and people want it They're all having long waiting lists. There's nothing you can do about this. You can't run away from this. We still have parts manufacturers in certain locations around the world who can't operate. So that's uh, logistics issues. So it's it's not going away. It's not going away. And I think, you know, Malaysians are going to start getting used to this. And what is funny is you're starting to see more and more Malaysians willing to buy a car without test driving it. (laughs) Anything in stock. Yes. So that is a bit of a strange thing for me.
1: Now, more on the local front. Uh, Prodo have launched their 2022 version of the seven-seater MPV, the Alza. Um, And this just launched today, Daniel, right?
0: Yes, just launched this morning. You know, they had the whole management team from uh, Toyota and then they also had the big boss of Daihatsu Japan. Now, Some of you might be understanding the the, the significance of this. But if you don't understand this, let me explain. Mm. Daihatsu Japan is a technical partner for Perdua since day one. So their involvement with, with, with Perdua is very strong. There are a lot of Japanese engineers from Daihatsu sitting right here. A lot of vehicles that are sold by Perdua are actually done in collaboration with engineers and designers from Japan's Daihatsu. So, for the boss from Japan to come over for this launch, it shows how important this vehicle is. Now, of course, a lot of people are going to say, hey, you know, it's an Alza, what's so great, it's just another Perdua. It's not Mm. just that. This is a vehicle that middle class and lower middle class Malaysian aspire to own, you know. It's a small Mm. MPV, it's compact, yet it's got seating for seven, it's got a lot of features. You know, when I want to go and do all my adventure stuff or, you know, when I want to take friends out or, you know, when I go back to see my parents, at least I got a vehicle to take them and the neighbors out and my auntie and all that, you know, this car is going to sell very well and I'll tell you why. They already got 30,000 bookings, my friend. This is the kind of response you get on a car like this. Awesome,
1: awesome. Yeah, from the photos I'm looking at, uh, the all new Alza is now bigger, it's sportier, it's not as van looking as it used to be, and uh, it really is quite a nice car. Looking forward yes, to is. seeing it on Malaysian roads. And um, moving on to some global automotive news. Last week, Korean carmaker Hyundai premiered another of its electric car, the Ionic Six. And uh, you know, we were just getting excited about the Ionic Five in Malaysia, and yes. already. They're releasing more information about the second car. It's still without a launch date for now. It looks like what they're doing with the electric cars is on a league of its own. Yes. Um, and that's what we can expect in the coming year and a half uh, from Hyundai, the IONIQ 6. Yes. The second electric car. Um, another big global announcement is the 16th generation of Toyota Crown, which is a sedan that's been in uh, the international market
0: for over the last 50 years. Mm. The crown name has actually been very famous around the world, but not Malaysia. There were units that came in, you know, grey import, secondhand. Uh, Singapore used to sell some crowns. So, you know, when when end of life, some people used to bring them in. Um, The crown has always been around, but it's never been a popular car in Malaysia. It's always been one of those big, Luxury sedans that didn't make it in Malaysia simply because of the price structure. If you bring it to Malaysia, it'll be too expensive. Now, the last model Crown that was brought in by some grey importers, it's called the Crown Majesty. If you go to Japan, if you're lucky enough to go to Japan, you'll see it all over the place. It's a very, very intimidating-looking large sedan. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, features on the front face, big headlamps, nice big grille, a, a, a very. Um, muscular-looking body. It's it's about the size of a 7 Series BMW or S-Class. And you get into the Crown Majesty, you will be shocked of the level of luxury, features, space, technology. This is not some, you know, run-of-the-mill car. This is far further up the ladder than the Toyota Camry. You get what I mean? I see it. I see it, yeah. It's a big car. Yeah. It's a big car, and, and the features are just uh, very, very impressive. So now... They've launched a crown. And what was surprising is it's coming back, but it's coming back also as a wagon. And this is a little bit surprising because the previous crown, the wagon did not sell well. And then they're also saying they're going to come back as a two-door sporty model. So I think what they're doing is they're using that crown name rather than, you know, using the crown feature. Right. The name, I think, maybe they're trying to brand that name to provide a whole range of vehicles to to hit in a few segments like you know because you got a wagon you got two door and then you got a classic sedan so it'll be interesting to see what happens but i'm thinking maybe it's not going to come to malaysia you see malaysia has got lexus doing quite well if you bring in the crown you have got a toyota badge vehicle uh yeah. that's going to be priced very close to a lexus
1: true and i think kudos to toyota because it could confuse uh consumers over the multitude of uh, similar-looking cars with different yes. brand names, right? Yes. I remember Toyota Crown being used as a taxi in Singapore. I wrote in exactly. one. Exactly, yes. So now, yeah, four different versions. They've got the crossover type, the sporty two-door classic sedan and, and a wagon, which looks kind of futuristic as well. Yeah. Great-looking car. That's it, Toyota Crown, hitting 40 markets globally, but unfortunately not Malaysia. But would love to see it on Malaysian roads nonetheless. And I think that's all the news locally and globally over the past week. Uh, We're going to come back and up next, we will discuss your old cars and what you should do with it. Uh, This is Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. Thanks for sticking with us. It's Cruise Control with Ali and Daniel Fernandez tonight. And uh, in this section of the show, Daniel will tell you what you should be doing with your old cars, if it's not in a working condition, or if it's unused and dormant. Because there's plenty of them that we see. Yeah,
0: this was a very uh, difficult article for me to do. And I'll say difficult not because of the you know, writing, but you know when I when I went around looking at pictures, taking pictures of these old cars, every time I saw an old car, I said to myself, it's complete, it's not broken, it's not had an accident, it's just sitting there and rotting, you know? Yeah. And in one day, I took almost 20 pictures of nice cars, like you see, you know, a Nissan 350Z, uh, there was an old uh, Mercedes, a couple of old Protons, and there was a Peugeot, an old Peugeot um, 205, uh, Sanyong Rexton. I mean, a lot of these cars are actually, uh, I would say, sensibly nice cars not great cars some of them are yeah. Hey, you know, I want to have that in my garage but mm. people have left them idle now some were outside workshops some were just by the street some were sitting in um, condominium car parks you know mm. and when I asked the guards what's the story of the car everybody doesn't know anything but you know as long as someone is paying for it it's fine you know the car park space the one sitting outside the workshop I spoke to the workshop owners uh, two of the workshop owners, I actually happened to know them. So I said, what's going on? You know, these cars have been here a long time. They said, well, you know, the owner came in to repair, doesn't have the money. Another one was, you know, owner came in to repair, I repaired the car and then he paid me some money. Then he said, I cannot continue to pay you. And then he said, ah, just leave the car first, you know. Now, without weather and, you know, it's, it's outside, it's not being secured and all that, you see small things starting to miss. You know, people come and steal a trim, steal a light, steal a side view mirror, steal yeah. a bed, you know. Now I'm thinking to myself: If you don't have money to continue repairing your car or maintaining your car, why don't you just sell it? You know, some of these cars. For example, say now I owned an, a Sanyong Rexton. It's running well. There's no issue in everything else. But Sanyong is no longer represented in Malaysia. If I see a Sanyong Rexton like the one in the picture on DSF sitting aside yeah. of the road, I would like to go and buy it from the owner for spare You know what I mean? Maybe trim parts, maybe interior plastic bits and all that. You know, if the price is cheap enough, maybe I'll even talk to, you know, go to the Facebook page of the Sanyong Union and say, okay, shall we all share and buy this? And then after that, we just, uh, you know, Basi Buro the wrestler, you know? Yeah. But what prices can we get from cars that are in these conditions, though? Well, if it's a complete car, you can get anywhere between three to 5,000 ringgit, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Depending on the type of car Like the Peugeot I think you can get Easily 3,000 ringgit The Sanyo Rexton Maybe 5,000 ringgit Because there are a lot Of Rexton owners out there Who might need Some of the parts The Nissan 350Z Maybe you can get Up to 10, 15000 ringgit And these are not Classic cars If it's classic cars With, with some emotional appeal You would want it Back in your garage Okay, let it rot In your garage But you wouldn't want You you would want it Back in your compound You know what I mean Ed? Yeah So there's no emotional appeal You're just being A difficult person about it You know (laughs) Like when I spoke To the mechanics Okay The mechanics tell me They've told them Listen there's people Who want to buy this car I can get parts out of it I can do something with it They're just stubborn They don't want to move Anyway That's the story Right That's what you can do If you have an old car Sitting in your garage
1: Or at the workshop Unused Dormant And pretty much Not in working condition anymore Sell them We're going to come back With a review of the Mercedes EQA The all new electric SUV by Mercedes On Cruise Control BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control I'm Ali Johad together with Daniel Fernandez tonight To round off uh, this episode we will hear from Daniel about his experience driving the all-electric SUV, the Mercedes EQA.
0: So, you know, we've been test driving a lot of electric cars. Uh, it's been good. You know, we, 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 are, we are learning as we go along. I'll use the word learning because this is all new for us also, you know. You know, a lot of people come to us and say, oh, you know, I want to buy an electric car. Can you advise me? I say, listen, I'm not the best person for advice because I'm not going out there around the country and checking the charging infrastructure. But when I talk to people who are very passionate about electric cars, they are giving me a lot of information about charging infrastructure. They're telling me where you can charge, where you cannot charge, where are the fast chargers, where are the slow chargers, where are the chargers that work, where are the ones that don't work. They are documenting everything. The community is fantastic. The electric car community right now on Facebook and even the clubs, they are doing a fantastic job. And I, and I applaud them because they take a lot of effort. Some of them even take a weekend off with their electric car and drive around the country as much as possible Looking for chargers, looking for opportunities to charge, looking for areas where they can wait while they charge, coming up with ideas and everything like that, which is great. So this time around, we drove the Mercedes EQA. They call it a compact SUV, but it's not small. So the EQA, in theory, is based on the Mercedes GLA. Right. So the GLA is its petrol version. In Malaysia, they sell the GLA 250 AMG line, the high spec, for about 200 and. 200 and i think it's 280000 ringgit um, it's it's uh, it's a fully equipped uh, vehicle it's got all the safety features all the fancy new uh, mercedes you know uh, screens and, and uh, the the great sound system and the handling and and, and it, it's it's got what it's got and it's doing very well in terms of sales but mercedes knows that they have to move into the electric space they know they have to sell, start selling more electric cars. So they introduced the EQA. So the EQA is the full electric version of the GLA. That's the simplest way I can explain this car. When you drive it or when you look at the pictures, as you can see on DSF, it looks like a regular GLA.
1: It does, yeah, with a different yeah. front grille. But yes, the shape, Exactly, GLA. it's just the front yeah. grille,
0: yeah. And then, of course, you've got the, the charging port at the side on the, on the right-hand side of the car, which is where you, you, you open up instead of fueling, you charge the car. So we got the car, we picked it up from Mercedes-Benz, it was already fully charged for us, we took it out and we drove it around. And the first thing we noticed about this electric car, and I have to mention it, is it is not as quick on acceleration as the other electric cars we drove. If If you remember, we always talk about how a lot of people get taken in by electric cars because the acceleration is super quick. You get four seconds, you get five seconds on an average SUV, uh, electric, electric powered SUV, you know. But with the Mercedes, you don't get that kind of It's good acceleration, but it's not like with the other uh, the other brand. So the 0 to 100 acceleration is 8.9 seconds, which is about the same as with a petrol driven version. So that's the first thing we noticed. But we said, never mind, we'll still drive it along and all that. And then even when we, you know, got on the open highway, the mid-range talk is still good. But it's not like its competitors. Never mind. We Mm. drove around. We drove in the city. uh, We went out at night, uh, right to the heart of KL, just to see how, whether you know, you get this anxiety about the battery, you know, uh, uh, losing losing its juice as you're as you're struggling in traffic jam. So when we went into the city at about seven o'clock, it just so happens it started raining really heavy, and then all those you know images of flooded cars and flooded. (laughs) kl city Uh-oh. center started coming into our mind but nothing oh like that happened it was just a heavy traffic jam and we were just crawling 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 and the beauty about an electric car which i have to admit is it's 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 so quiet you don't hear the engine of course because there's no engine you don't hear the power power train all you hear is the 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 music that comes from the fantastic uh, uh system that mercedes-benz provides because the car is well damped it's well insulated so even the yeah. passing traffic noise, you don't hear very much. Yes, you can hear the rain because that's hitting on the roof, you know. Yeah. But we were still crawling in traffic and we were fine, and the juice wasn't moving that much. You know, in about maybe one hour of heavy traffic, we only lost about four percent of battery. You know, it's not that bad if you think about it. Yeah. Drove back. This is a bit later at night. There's no traffic. We we took the long way home and we came home and we were still. I think about 70% of juice, you know, even after we drove the whole day and that evening. So you can see the battery lasts quite a bit. Now, the next day, we called up um, someone who who knows about this product and asked them, why isn't this car as quick as the rest? And this was the explanation. Now, Mercedes-Benz is trying to sell you a car to get maximum driving distance, right? That's the whole Mm -hmm. idea of owning an electric car, to go as far as possible on a full charge. Now, if you have very fast acceleration like the competitors have, you tend to use up more battery power. Right. And human nature, very funny thing about human nature is whenever they get into any any sporty car or, or even like this electric cars which have very good acceleration, all the time they're trying to zoom up, zoom, zoom, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to see how fast I can go, how fast I can go. I want to feel the acceleration. I want to feel my, my chest Hit the back of my seat, and mm-hmm. when you keep doing that, you're just sucking battery power, as as you know, without thinking about range anxiety and everything else. And then you start worrying, hey, why am I juice down to twenty percent? You know. So they've done a smart thing; they've managed the battery system and they've managed the power delivery to be a nice commuter car, which gives you the kind of performance you get from a petrol petrol version, yet you've got enough juice to go the distance. So right. we had this car for five days. And guess what? We didn't have to charge it at all. Wow! Awesome. Five days of driving around. Of course, we didn't go out station, but we were we were in the car as often as possible. We were in traffic jam as often as possible, and five days we had still forty over percent of battery power when we returned the car back to the Mercedes headquarters. You know? Yeah. So How this, much is car, this car, okay, this car is priced at two hundred and seventy eight thousand ringgit. Now you must understand. It's very close to the petrol version. Now a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, electric car, no tax. Why are they expensive?" To start off with, electric cars are expensive because of the battery and the technology and the R&D cost. Because they're still developing this battery technology cars, right? Yeah. So don't expect it to be cheap. Now at two hundred seventy-eight thousand, if you think about it, it's cheaper than buying a grey recon Tesla, which hasn't got after sales and warranty, like this car has got. This full electric car is fully covered by Mercedes-Benz Malaysia. Throughout its ownership, throughout its warranty period, you know any software upgrade, any part upgrade, any you know defect or whatever, if it happens, you are fully covered. Because why? This is a high-technology vehicle. Yes, running an electric car is much cheaper than running a petrol or diesel car, but you still have to worry about wear and tear. You know what I mean you right. still have to worry about things that might go wrong. You still have to worry. Because why? Uh, recently, uh, Porsche had a big software upgrade for all its Taycan. 70 over Taycans around the world are having the software upgrade. Now, if you happen to buy a grey reconditioned Taycan, not an authorized one, how are you going to get a software upgrade? And, you know, these cars are driven by a lot of software uh, uh, features. So you know, like battery management, you know uh, how to save fuel, how to save bat- battery. Uh, you know, keep your keep your motor running better. Keep your uh, cabin filter, risk, uh, air condition, air conditioning system running better. All these are running by software that need updates. And then your navigation system needs updates. If you don't have all this coming from the authorized manufacturer, how are you going to keep your car running? So it's yeah. good to buy an authorized car. Two hundred seventy-eight thousand. First of all, you're getting the Mercedes badge. You're getting an electric car that will work perfectly well throughout its ownership, you know, warranty, and you've got mm-hmm. a, I would say, quite a nice-looking SUV. Now, the other thing before we end, I want to say this: if you're still worried about electric car ownership, you're still thinking, you know, what's happened, what's going to happen after three years or five years or whatever? Mercedes-Benz yeah. in Malaysia has a, as a has, uh, the EQA in Agility financing. So, right. what agility financing is, means is it's almost like you're, you're renting the car. It's like leasing the car. So, it's a headache-free ownership uh, proposition. You pay monthly. Something goes wrong along the way. You can swap it and get a, you know a, another vehicle or you get the petrol version or whatever. So, it's a good way to test the whole electric car ownership uh, experience. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Are they the only company doing this? For now, they are the only one doing it for electric cars.
1: Okay, so that is the review of the Mercedes-Benz EQA. That neatly uh, brings us to the end of this week's edition of Cruise Control. If you miss any part of the show, do check out our podcast that's on the BFM app. You can get it on the App Store or Google Play. And uh, until next week, I've been Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez on Cruise Control BFM
0: 89.9.